Andy Hoare, welcome to 2024. I'm calling in from the moon because when I was a kid, I was told by 2024 we'd be on the moon. So here I am. I'm in zero gravity. <laughs> well, we are on the moon, sort of, right? We've been to the moon. That was the 60s, man. Come on. <laughs> Anyway, uh, well, welcome everyone to 2024. It's January. This is Friday 15 with Master B2B. My name is Brian Beck. I'm here with Andy Hoare, the uh, two partners at Master B2B, a thought leadership series for B2B e-commerce professionals. And really, Andy, it's developed into a community. I'm really excited about this year. We have some great stuff coming and uh, we'll go through some of that at the end of our Friday 15. One thing I want to point out to you folks, we've got quite a few episodes now of our Friday 15. We've turned it into a podcast. You can go to uh, Spotify, Google uh, Play, or your Apple Store and look us up, Master B2B, and you can find our podcast. You can listen to us while you're washing dishes, driving your kids to school, or whatever other fun activity, maybe at the gym, working out, getting bigger. It is January, right? New Year's resolutions. So guys, we've got some good stuff coming here today. We're going to be talking about uh, whether 2024 is the year where companies are preparing for the worst. Or are they hunkering down to become better at what they're good at, uh, really at their core? And we've seen some interesting news about this, uh, uh, Andy. We'll just uh, maybe jump right in on some of our uh, um, some of our our breaking news. Are you ready? Here we go. I love that sound. Hopefully, it doesn't repeat. It didn't. Andy, did you see this? Um, so Amazon, which is kind of the bellwether, right, of a lot of things e-commerce, both B two C and now B two B is really, you know, they've been really rationalizing a lot of their businesses. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, Andy, but they're closing um, stores. They have these uh, 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 stores that are, you know, fashion apparel stores they opened. They've got their four-star uh, stores, which are, you know, highly rated products. They've, they've backed off on that. Um, they, they're actually moving away from some of their other uh, businesses. They've been laying people off. You heard stories last year of 27,000 people. They just announced... Uh, actually, this was just yesterday in Forbes. Amazon is laying off hundreds of Twitch, Prime Video, and MGM Studios employees. You know, this this begs the question, you know, again, Amazon is being the sort of the bellwether, one of the biggest companies in, in the, frankly, in the world now. Um, you know, do they, are they actually seeing things that says, hey, you know, we got some bad stuff coming and do we, we need to pull back? Or, Andy, is it that they're saying, hey, we need to get, profitable we want to focus on what our most important businesses are uh that sort of thing any thoughts on that yeah i think this tends to be more kind of b2c and retail related more consumery it's interesting to note because amazon plays in both spaces but i wonder about this whether this was a result of rationalizing the overinvestment they made in certain areas over the last couple of years especially during the pandemic where Companies just doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on these things, thinking, hey, this is our big opportunity to blow this up. And maybe it grew well, but not exceptionally well. And they just have too many people. I mean, we're seeing this with a lot of software companies right now where they just hired too many sales reps and too yep. many developers and they overinvested. And now they're just rationalizing that or normalizing what they did before. So, yep. uh, but it is noteworthy that Amazon is not invulnerable as well. Well, it's fascinating too, and as you know, I, I work my other um, my other full time job. I, I run a uh, an Amazon uh, consultancy called Inceba, and we work with a lot of big companies, a lot of big brands. And what's interesting, Andy, is that a lot of those companies are have been selling to 
Amazon wholesale for years. It's called Vendor Central, where they sell the product to Amazon. Amazon takes ownership of it, then resells it, which is about 40% of the Amazon's overall revenue. What's fascinating to me is there's a, there's a very consistent dynamic occurring right now, and it's more than it's ever been, where Amazon is pushing hard on um, you know, really any kind of price increases that the wholesalers are trying to push, that these brands are trying to ask Amazon for. Amazon's raising its raising its its prices, its allowances, and other things in this model. It's true in the vendor seller central side too, but there is a real consistent push at Amazon for profitability, and, and you hear Jassy talk about it. And I think everything we're seeing here in terms of you know they're they're famous for testing things, trying and learning, but at the end of the day, I mean I think they're refocusing uh, in on stuff that's really worked well for them. You know, their fulfillment, they're doubling down there, AWS, advertising, things that are really working, they're really focusing in on. So I, I see that. But it's not just about Amazon. I mean, you pulled some data here from a, from a big giant shipping company, right? Look at this from Maersk. Or Maersk. Yeah, I, thought was, I thought this was really interesting. I mean, a lot of this is evolving in real time. But remember for the last year, year and a half or so, we were hearing that there were supply chain difficulties. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, things were stuck in ports and you had to wait months for things that should have only taken a couple of days or weeks. Right. Well, it sounds like that's moderated <clears throat> because, uh, you know, Maersk is the world's largest shipping company. They just announced they're laying off 10,000 people. Right. Uh, and they've seen a, a reduction, believe it in that, uh, of demand for shipping around the world. Interesting. Um, now, it's getting disrupted again because of wars that are taking place, in particular yep. in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. But... You know, this is an interesting indication that there was actually overcapacity. Again, it feels like it's a parallel to what happened on the B2C side with some of the consumer stuff where people overinvested. You know, mm -hmm. we had supply chain difficulties. Companies like Maersk got as big as they could, as quickly as they could. And then now that those things are moderated, they're kind of dialing back. It could also be the case that the economy is actually slowing under the, under the, uh, the hood. Um, and so I don't think we know the answer to this yet, but it is noteworthy that Maersk is, is uh, slowing their growth. Well, yeah, and one of the <clears throat> one of the signs of sort of right sizing is is employees, right? I mean, that's when you think about you know companies are sort of either preparing for the worst or hunkering down. They look critically at their ranks. You see this data, Andy. Here, um, this is uh, this was published in, in uh, uh, HR um, HR. Uh, what is the name of that? I can't read it. <laughs> Human, Re Human, Human Resources Director. Thank you. 92% uh, of employers are expecting to make additional headcount cuts in 2024. So this isn't stopping, right? And, you know, we predicted in 2023 that the, the employer was going to, you know, this balance of power is going to shift back to the employer. And we didn't entirely see that happen, I don't think, last year. Uh, but as this continues, I mean, does that balance of power shift? And what you know? What does this mean for companies that are trying to staff up their e-commerce and digital businesses? I mean, are they going to? Is that where the cuts are happening? I wonder. I don't think so much in e-commerce. <clears throat> I haven't seen that as much because every company is still transitioning from mostly analog to more digital first, and right. so there's still a lot of demand for <clears throat> for people who have you know experience doing digital stuff, transforming companies, etc. Um, I don't know whether this statistic is due to this overhiring that took place or if we're starting to see the effect of AI, oh, because what we're seeing, I think, is that people who are productive are able to be more productive 
and people mm -hmm. who are less productive are relatively speaking less less uh, useful to companies so there's sort of a flight to quality on productivity productive people can use more tools to be even more productive would you invest a dollar in somebody like that or a dollar in upskilling somebody who hasn't been as productive i think companies decided and they always do go with the productive people so just think about what you and i can do today that we couldn't do 20 years ago right i mean right and throw ai into the mix Right. You know, and, and software is a lot less expensive than people. But it also becomes, I think, if you're my, if I'm a VP of e-com, a chief digital officer, a director of e-com, whatever, sitting in a B2B company, you know, I, I think, and we've heard this from our community, Andy, you have to more justify in this environment, you have to justify your investments even more than you you had to in the past, right? Where if the, with this with this focus and, and you know, this next slide I'm gonna show here for those of you listening on the podcast has to do with where CEOs you know, are, are focused, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating, this efficiency, there's a whole trend towards efficiency here. And AI is certainly a part of that. You have to justify on an ROI basis, you know, your staff. And I, I'm, I don't know about you, Andy, but I'm hearing this from all the practitioners I'm talking to. So we're looking here at some data that says what external issues do CEOs expect to influence or disrupt business strategies within the next 12 months? I think there's some mixed messages here, right, Andy? What do you think? Well, I think there's some good news and some more alarming news. The good news is the top two ones about geopolitical instability and inflation have started to moderate a bit. I mean, when we went, this is from June to October. So this is Q3 of, 23. Q4 of, of last year, right? And what, what we saw was that that did get better. The right. situation improved somewhat, although, you know, when was it, October 7th was when the Israeli yep. Hamas war broke out. So yep. did that capture this? I mean, we, that's right. what these things right. are changing right. in real time. Right. <clears throat> but inflation is the one I would look at here. Inflation has definitely not gotten worse. Yeah. Um, it is moderated, it is declined. The CPIs have gone down. Now, it takes a while for those things to work their way through the system. But I think that's why we see the six-point difference there. It's the yeah. ones you put in the box that are interesting. Which are those, Andy, for our podcast listeners? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so other, other quotes, yeah. sources of financial market instability, which includes things like AI, interest rates, cost of capital, yeah. environmental regulations, yep. media and advertising disruptions, kind of the residual there. That one actually bumped up a little bit. And I think that's largely driven by AI and just general uncertainty in the market about what's going on. The next one was labor skills and shortages. That one, very consistent, hasn't changed. It's not getting better. You're, we're not finding this wealth of people who are just ready to come back into the right. market. Plus, we right. have people who are trading out because they're getting old, especially in B2B. So we're losing older, experienced workers, and we're not even replacing them one for one right. with younger people. And if they do, they're younger and less experienced. And then regulation is always a problem. It affects B2B in a big way, you know, about how you can ship things, what you can sell, et cetera. So these are the ones that are bedeviling, I think, executives in B2B. Right. And causing them either to, you know, retrench and focus or, you know, or, or, or quote unquote, prepare for the worst, however you, and I, I have some thoughts on that that I'll share towards the end here. But this other, this next uh, bit of data we pulled is really fascinating. It shows CEO strategic business priorities um, in 24 versus 23 and such. So, what jumped out at me, Andy, was the couple here that have, you know, what the priorities that have grown dramatically and some of those that have fallen. You want to interpret this one a little bit for our yeah, listeners? Yeah, so <clears throat> the same perennial issues at the top. Growth is number one. Surprise, surprise. You know, every right. company wants to grow. <laughs> they say no to that. No, we want to shrink. We want to so, shrink. 
growth, um, you know, workforce growth, uh, you know, financial improvements, et cetera. But relative to 2022, this is where it's interesting. Those yep. things are really about the same or even decline. The area where it grew significantly from 2022 to 2023 is basic priorities. And we think this is going to continue into 2024 is cost management, 70% increase in interest there, wow. yep. efficiency and productivity. So to your point earlier, yep. what this tells yep. me is that companies are sort of dialing back a little bit. They're trying to find ways to do more with less. They're trying to save money and become more profitable which is usually what happens to companies that are concerned about certainty. And so, you know, I, I don't know that this means people are right to be concerned that 2024 is going to be a bearish year. But what we're seeing in the data is that companies are, in fact, preparing, not necessarily for the worst, but preparing, they're locking themselves down and preparing for headwinds, I think is the way to phrase it. Yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, so and it, it, this also bears out in, you know, as we saw last year, Andy, in our state of B2B e-commerce report budget, right? 68% of our survey respondents said that budget is their top barrier to B2B e-commerce growth. So as you look at efficiency and other things, that doesn't, you know, the kinds of things that are growing in terms of the, you know, the trends and what people are, you know, CEOs are talking about doesn't say, hey, I'm blowing open the budget, right? It says get more from what you already have. <laughs> so so I think the ROI this year, we're going to be talking a lot at our events, our roundtables, our summit about ROI and how do you how do you really maximize ROI and how do you make those arguments up to the board and C-level um, that you know you ought to be investing in in digital. Um, in this kind of environment where more is required of less, they're going to look at your PIM system you're not using and say, go use it. You know, you, we bought this and we spent $2 million on it. Go anyway, you, you get it, right? Well, I think what do we always say too? Like it depends on what your level of digital maturity is. I mean, right, right. if you're more mature, there are different considerations when you're less mature, different considerations, exactly. but budget is a pretty consistent one. And what we have heard very directly from several members of the BD, the master B2B community is they haven't finalized their budgets yet for 2024. Right. Here we are two weeks into the year. Yeah. And <clears throat> at this point, they still haven't figured out what they're going to spend their yeah. money on for the next year. Now, I'm not saying you have to have this done six months in advance, but the planning for this started in like late Q3, early Q4. Year, and yeah. it's been months yes. where they've said things like, hey, we still don't know. We're still finalizing. Everybody's waiting to the last second. It's almost like you know, for football fans, that play clock is a 40-second play clock, I think, and it goes down to zero. Right, and the right. quarterback always wait to the very last very second. Last second. You can't shift the defense at that clock point. Right. That's what's going on here. Is I think <laughs> people are waiting for the very last second, which yeah, there are repercussions for that. In football, you can get called for delay of game. Here, there's kind of a parallel. You can lose opportunities and, and exactly. wait too long and miss things. Well, and I, I think, Andy, you know, we asked our community, let me share this real quick. We asked on LinkedIn, what, with news of business restructuring, rationalizing our B2B companies preparing for the worst or refocusing to get stronger in 2024, 77% said refocusing to get stronger. There's a there's a common commonality here, I think, in a, in what we're hearing across the market that, you know, this this is could could be actually a healthy exercise. You know what? My, my conclusion from this, Andy, is that if you look at, and really is to your point you just made, 
if you look at the companies that really long term do really well, they actually invest in a very focused way and take bets during times like this. When everyone yeah, else yeah. is waiting to do something, they're actually taking bold steps. They're refocusing. They're doing some of the stuff that even though Maersk and Amazon and all those other folks are doing, but they're doing it in a way that that reinforces what they are best in the world at. They re, they they double down and they refocus on where are they really best in the world and where can they work. You know, it's the it's the good to great book. You know, it's Jim Collins' book. You know, focus on focus on the uh, confront the brutal reality. Focus on the things that are that are your best in the world at. So. Uh, that's my that's my takeaway. But we're we're coming up on time here, Andy. We're at Friday 17. So let me go through a couple of quick things for our community here. First of all, folks, 2024, we have roundtables we're doing all over the country in the next six months, actually through the year. Los Angeles, February 21st, Chicago, March 5th, Atlanta, March 19th. Folks, these are groups of 2025 executives. We actually, I think, Andy, we're actually full. We, we've got oh, way less. Way full, like oversubscribed. So uh <laughs> I know, I know. Good so to have, but there's not much space left. In fact, there's not any space left. Well, you yeah, go real fast if you want to do. This. Well, I would say, and folks, if you're interested in joining us, Dallas, Minneapolis, and Denver still have some space in them, and certainly. uh So, so go to our website, Master B two B, and look at. um Just click on the events uh, button at the top there. You'll see these events. Um, You'd be able to register or request a uh, an invitation. The big one we got coming though, Andy, is our Mindshare Summit on June fourth at the University of Chicago's Bleacher Center. We have limited sponsored seats available for practitioners. Uh, these are our um, complimentary seats. Uh, we already have. Gosh, we're, I think we're about about a third full already on the summit. This is going to fill up, guys. We can. We're only going to have one hundred and thirty people at this thing. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so I encourage you to go to our website and sign up for this. Um, yeah, it's and of course, really that's June. I mean, it's like six months away, but yeah, it's not even five months. Away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've got our forum. You can go to our website and sign up for that. We have 350, almost 400 members in there uh, at this point. A great group of people. Um, and that gets us to our Friday. Oh my gosh, 19. Thanks, folks, for bearing with us on our, <laughs> on our time here. Any any last any last words, Andy, for before we part? Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, looking forward to 2024. I think there's uh, opportunity and chaos and confusion and smart companies will take advantage of it. Absolutely. So we'll see you next week on Friday 15, every Friday at noon Eastern time here on LinkedIn Live. Take care, folks.